Welcome to the Power Trends Podcast, produced by the New York Independent System Operator, where we discuss energy planning, public policy, and other issues affecting New York's power grid. Hello and welcome to the Power Trends Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Lanahan, Vice President, External Affairs and Corporate Communications at the New York ISO. And today we're joined by Sean Johnson, Director of Market Mitigation and Analysis here at the New York ISO. Sean has been working in the energy industry for 20 years. He has done two tours, if you will, with the ISO. His team is responsible for implementing the NISO's market mitigation measures and working collaboratively with the New York ISO's external marketing monitoring unit, which we'll cover in a bit. Before that role, Sean was working for NRG Energy, serving as their director of regulatory and market affairs for New York, a lot of interaction with the ISO. And in that role, Sean led and coordinated NRG's regulatory policy for the wholesale markets here in New York and with the New York Public Service Commission. Prior to his work with NRG, Sean spent about 10 years working at the ISO in his first go-around and working in areas such as energy market design, operations, and market mitigation. So lots of experience here, lots of experience in the energy industry, which we want to tap into today. And he holds a degree in economics from SUNY Albany. So welcome, Sean. We appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So if we can just take a 30,000-foot level approach to your role and what you do here and why it's important. Uh, just walk us through the core responsibilities of the market mitigation and analysis team that you oversee. Sure. So at the highest level, the market mitigation analysis team, or MMA as we call it, is responsible for executing the market monitoring plan and ISO. And what that means is that we are here to effectively protect consumers by ensuring that the markets are competitive and the outcomes are not being manipulated by trading entities or entities in our marketplace. So competition is an integral component of, of what we do here with regard to the markets and market outcomes. So you're watching that function to make sure that the competition and transparency with the markets is upheld. So in the day-to-day, what is it that you guys are looking for? What are some of the specific responsibilities that you guys are uh, obligated to uphold? So one of the main fundamentals of our approach to looking at behavior Uh, Right. As economists, we used to use fancy terms like consistent with competitive behavior, which is really just a a long way of saying, does something make sense? And so we look at, uh, for example, a generator's behavior and we say, okay, if the cost of that generator to produce energy is $100, well, why wouldn't they want to sell it to me if I'm willing to pay $200? Or on the flip side, if it costs them $100 to produce that energy, why are they willing to sell it if we're only going to pay them 50, right? Neither of those things just make sense, right? So that's our initial flag of, does this behavior make sense, right? People are in our markets to make money. And the same way, if, you know, we'll look at cumulative losses over time, if you're just in our market every day and you're losing money, well, that doesn't make any sense, right? Your shareholders aren't expecting that. Your, your boss certainly isn't expecting that, mm-hmm. right? What are you doing? Why are you losing money like that consistently? And then on the flip side, if you're making a lot of money every single day, that's usually an indication that maybe there's something else going on, right? And why is no one else competing with you on the behavior and and what are you doing? And sometimes we just get people who are really lucky or really smart and have found ways to make consistent little revenue every single day. And that's that's fantastic uh, for them. But we want to ensure they're doing that within the, the bounds of competitiveness and not manipulating the outcomes to their advantage where they are making profit at someone else's expense. 
So at the highest level, would you say at the, at the end of the day, you have consumer interests in mind here? Yeah, that's how we really approach everything is at the end of the day, it's not what's fair to those in the market, right? Because our markets are here to ensure that consumers are getting reliable power at the least cost to consumers. And so we have some really complex markets and some really complex rules. And at the end of the day, we are making sure that people are following those rules within our market to create a competitive outcome that ultimately will drive down prices to consumers, both in the short and in the long term. And you described some, let's, um, let's call them maybe more obvious indicators that there might be something amiss, but you've got tools to look at some things that may not be completely obvious and to walk us through some of those approaches as well. Yeah, we in, uh, in MMA, we like to have diversity of thought, right? So we will hire, our team is filled with economists, it's filled with mathematicians, computer scientists, business majors, physicists, people who approach problem solving from a variety of different angles, right? And they're all using different tools and different methods. And so, you know, sometimes it's a real simple little check. Your costs are 100 and you're bidding 200. Why? That doesn't make any sense. Sometimes it's a very sophisticated mathematical program that we'll use uh, solvers for to determine how we expect outcomes to be over the long run and how they're shaping up. And we'll use a variety of inputs in that, there be market data, information that we have about facilities, speculated information, Monte Carlo solutions, but, right? A lot of different simulations to look at things. And if things don't make sense along that, then we'll investigate further. But there are a variety of tools that we have at hand that uh, we've built over the years to monitor for this behavior. Based on the evolution of the markets over time, and do you, you need to be as sophisticated and advanced as the markets or the, the participants in those markets. So imagine that those tools have been refined over years. Yeah, they're, they're constantly going through a state of evolution. As, uh, you know, as, as we get more data, we're, we're looking to see uh, what, uh, what flags is, we'll say, a false flag, right? And what is something of concern that we want to make sure that we drill down on and, and we stay engaged with the market design team on the evolution of the rule sets to make sure that either A, they're not designing rules that have holes in them where a trader can come in and, and take advantage, right? Or B, on the backside, that we have the proper disincentives in place, whether it be penalties or other forms of mitigation to prevent abuse of that behavior. And so that we're part of that design to make sure that the proper protections are in place where folks can came in. So um, the thinking about the markets from a participant's perspective helps you to uncover inefficiencies or problems that could arise in the future. Yeah, definitely. I think some of the best modeling and best views that we've had into participant behavior has come from folks who have been in the industry. Mm -hmm. and like yourself. Like myself, um, there are several members now in MMA who have, were either traders within the industry or, you know, we have folks who operated power plants for 25 years um, and their perspective about what it actually takes to run a power plant and how it operates and what you would do and not do from maintenance and, and from uh, validation and operation of that facility. And so those are all factors in our look at gaming and modeling. So that's a good segue. Um, you described how folks on your team and yourself know how a power plant, for instance, runs or how a trader thinks and some of the uh, approaches a trader might use in our markets in order to make sure that competition is, is, uh, is held harmless. Talk about the kind of interaction that you have with the market participants themselves directly. You have abilities to capture data, capture information. 
walk us through you know, those rights, in other words, that you, you folks uh, employ? Sure. Yeah. So we have the ability to request information from our market participants, uh, particularly most of the focus tends to be on generators as they're really the ones who drive the pricing in our market outcomes for the most part. So we have daily conversations with uh, our generator fleet and to talk about what they're seeing, right? So, you know, I, I talked a little bit about expectation versus behavior. So what are your costs to produce that megawatt of energy? And right, and there's a lot that goes into that. A lot of that is driven by underlying commodity prices. And, um, and so we have assumptions based on that. But just like if you're going to fill up your car with gas and you go, okay, well, the national average is $4. Well, that's great. But when you pull up to any given gas station, they may charge you $3.90 and they may charge you $4.75, depending on where you are. So we'll use a proxy in this example of $4, but that may not actually be reflective of your cost to fill your tank of gas. And so we have information that flows back and forth about what their actual costs are to purchase their underlying uh, commodity costs and flow that into our expectations now of their costs and the market outcomes that we're expecting now and in the future, like what do those look like in the long term as well. So that's one avenue. Another thing that we do is uh, I talked about, you know, we have plant engineers who have uh, who worked at generators for, for decades mm-hmm. or designed how they were built or things along those lines. We will actually send them out to the generator to go take a look and say, okay, this generator's had issues. Let's go there, take a look, see what's going on. Is, is it well-maintained? Is this, a, is this a concern? Are they offering in when they're actually, they're not able to run? What does this look like? And to ensure that the physical steel in the ground matches our expectations in the market you're going and visiting that facility yep 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 yeah we uh we go out a few times a year we'll send our engineers out to generators for specific investigations and then every spring we basically send them out for the whole month of april and look at about a quarter of the fleet uh on any given year just to see what it's looking like coming into the summertime and then we do a smaller version of that again in the fall, getting ready for the winter to make sure that around our peaks of summer and winter that our fleet is is capable of meeting our needs so two basic questions. The first is, how common um, is there a problem that you find in the market? And then once you do find a problem, what do you do about that? So uh, a problem is, is actually very rare. So we look at thousands of initial investigations a year. And these are just by investigations, I mean, things that trip our screens, right? Like, oh, this doesn't make sense to us initially. Let's drill down and find out what's going on and, and why this behavior occurred or why they offered that way or why this outcome was like that. So every day, that's all our team of 25 folks do is they look at these. Very rarely does that actually occur into a problem where someone violated a rule or is manipulating behavior. Less than one half of 1% of our market outcomes end up resulting in some form of action, whether it be um, a, a mitigation and mitigation is our term for, okay, uh, we are going to replace your offers with what we think your offer should have been. So it's that expectation, right? Mm-hmm. We, we thought your costs were 100 and you offered in 200 That looks like you're trying to take advantage of uh, market power. So we're going to replace your $200 offer with a $100 offer. Or in the other, the other thing that we do is issue sanctions or penalties. And uh, in the last three years, we've issued a little over $13 million in penalties. That, uh, that's funds that have been refunded back to New York consumers. Um, 13 million sounds like a big number, but when you put it in the context, those are sanctions for people who violated a various rule uh, along the way. And, and that money is directly refunded back to consumers. So in addition to your department, the internal market monitor, we have an external market monitor. 
talk about the distinction there, how you guys collaborate, the, the role and function of the external. Yeah, so our external market monitoring unit is uh, Potomac Economics. Uh, they're uh, a firm based out of Virginia along the Potomac River. And so they are able to look at it maybe from a bit of a broader perspective than necessarily we are. Uh, but when it comes to New York in particular, we look at a lot of the same data and we're looking at it for the same rules, but we look at it in very different ways and we consciously do that. So we interact every day with Potomac as a peer and do peer reviews on data and they will see things via our tools, uh, via their tool sets that we don't necessarily see and we will see things that they don't see. And we discuss those varying outcomes and what it leads and, and why we think the behavior is that way. And so we're, we're taking two different approaches to the same data, really looking to identify similar trends. And uh, that leads to a lot of discussions, a lot of interesting uh, things. In addition to that, they're also obviously tasked to make sure that we're doing our jobs correctly. So fair to say you're watching very closely through all these sophisticated tools, what's happening in the markets, and you have regulators, the board, and then internal executives looking at what you do for that feedback loop and, and sense of extreme accountability. Yeah, that's correct. Um, you know, both at the federal and the state level, we haven't really talked. We, we yeah. meet regularly with uh, the Department of uh, Public Service and discuss issues in the marketplace, things that they're seeing, because they also look at our markets and what's going on, right? And, of course. Uh, they have a different layer or access of data than maybe that we do. So they are curious to see what we saw in certain circumstances and what's going on. So we'll, we'll meet with them. Uh, we meet with them about every two months and, and go over data and analyze on a, on a frequent basis, uh, as well as ad hoc discussions with the DPS as well as to what's going on in the markets. Yeah, another good segue. So uh, let's talk about what's happening today with uh, coming out of last winter and into this summer, prices have been elevated. But if you can just walk through your team's perspective on, on what's driving prices higher and, and given the conditions, how can consumers be confident that you're trying to ferret out and watch for what could be some manipulation through that? So economics 101, right? We'll talk about what drives, what drives pricing outcomes, right? And it's, it's really simple, right? Either um, when it comes to pricing outcomes, there's really three things that drive pricing, right? You have your classic economics is supply and demand. So when it comes to supply, do we have too much? That drives prices down. Do we have too little? That drives prices up. Same thing with demand. If we have a lot of demand, that drives prices up. If there's no demand, that drives prices down. And then the third component, which is a little harder, but as a function of supply, is the marginal cost of production. How much does it cost me to produce a good? And in our markets, that is the primary driver 99% of the time. How much does it cost me to produce that megawatt of energy? And that is primarily driven by the natural gas markets. Mm -hmm. How much is my underlying commodity in New York? Now, there's a variety of commodities that set price in New York. Um, right, natural gas, oil derivatives, wind, solar, hydro. But most of the market prices in New York, most of the time, are set off of natural gas pricing. Natural gas has gone through tremendous volatility in the last, uh, last couple of years. Recently, and I'll say for really from maybe 2016 up until this last year, up in, uh, until 2021, you know, tremendous injection of natural gas across the U.S. from Marcel Shale and other, other large deposits. And natural gas had plummeted to really all-time lows, historic levels that we'd never even seen anything close or no one even imagined. That's no longer the case, right? There's a bunch of factors for that. And then we had the pandemic and the economy right. slowed. Yeah, the economy slowed, COVID hit, labor shortages, wells closed, um, just like everything else. So the, the prices rebounded, came to maybe more historic levels. and now. 
what you're seeing in Europe is a huge driver, right? What you see in Europe is a loss of access to cheap natural gas from Soviet Union, which leads them to have a huge demand for things like oil and things like liquefied natural gas. Liquefied natural gas, LNG, is a great resource. It's very expensive. It has to be shipped. And historically, when it's shipped, it's, it sits in these cargo containers off in the Atlantic, and they wait and see where the price is higher, if it's higher in New England or if it's higher in, in Europe, and then they go to the highest one, right? Right now, given the demand in Europe, it's all going to Europe and it, at huge rates because they don't have access to anything else. And so that's driving up the price of liquefied natural gas, which is driving up the demand here in the Northeast, in New England and in New York, and driving up the underlying natural gas. So now natural gas prices in the Northeast are at levels that we haven't seen in 15, 20 years. And so that global pressure on the underlying commodity it has a huge impact. It's driving up energy prices to levels that we haven't seen in 15, 20 years and will continue to. When you, know, you look ahead to this winter, the forward markets are telling us that prices are going to go up even further to levels that we've never seen. So you mentioned six to 12 month time horizon here. Any observations that you could share with us today? It's going to be a very expensive winter for natural gas and for energy. So that's the, the biggest thing that we're seeing is this winter is uh, trading at levels that are unprecedented. Well, as unfortunate as that is and hard to hear, it's also good to get the word out in advance. Yeah. So, well, Sean, I, I feel better. And I think uh, our listeners will feel better knowing that you and your team are watching the markets in this way. Appreciate the information you gave us today. Love to have you back in the future, uh, especially with, as you detailed, some of the volatility that we're seeing in, in commodity prices and explaining why. And I think that's important for policymakers, lawmakers, and, and consumers. So we appreciate the time you gave us today. Great. Thanks. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you for joining us. As a reminder, the New York Independent System Operator, NISO for short, is responsible for reliably managing New York's power grid and energy markets and providing independent data to policymakers and the public. For more independent info, please visit the NISO blog at www.nyiso.com blog. 